What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. All right, what's up, Gravel family? What is up? This is our first chitty chat intro in a while. We yeah, don't do these. We haven't we done this since before Gravel Worlds, I don't think. I don't think so either. It's a. Uh, I like these though. I, I kind of like like what's what's up. Where in the world has Sophia Gibson been? Ooh, almost well, recently I was in Moab, Utah. One of my really good friends got married under like Double Arch in Arches National Park, and that was so freaking sweet. Um, so I spent a week out there and got some really cool experiences. Um, if ever, if anyone's ever gone on Schaefer Trail, Schaefer Pass, you know like how terrifying it is. <laughs> I was telling Jason about my experience earlier, and I was literally screaming, crying, <laughs> almost throwing up. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. If for, you, for sure, not dramatic, even a little. No, bit. not a little, not <laughs> even a little. Um, no, look it up, Schaefer Pass and Canyonland it's horrifying so that's what i was doing and i just got back from vegas for a few days uh we worked a few days from the hotel and then partied a couple or not i guess not party's the wrong word we don't really party we just go we had a good time we had a good time but most of what we do in vegas is eat nice food (laughs) you you made me want to go to vegas like seeing all of the cool things you guys did i am now i think yeah we do we do vegas differently i think i think total we gambled like a hundred dollars and your wife made actually some good money. She, I, okay. <laughs> if you own a slot machine company, I am sorry because my wife has taken all your money. Like, I, she, oh, like, has, ne- like, I've never seen her lose money at slots. Like, it's always, she's like, oh, yeah, I sat here for 20 minutes and won $150. And I'm like, how? Every time. It's every time. That's so funny. So, yeah, she, she's a killer at the slots. I'm sorry to, no, I'm not sorry to slot machine companies. No, we're going to take your so money. much money. We're going to take your money. Um, no, but yeah, we had a good time. I rode, uh, I flew with my bike and rode yeah. to the Hoover Dam, which was an awesome, awesome ride. So that was a good epic adventure. So rode from Vegas to the Hoover Dam and back, ran out of water in the desert, which was less than ideal. Uh, but yeah, it was a great time. Um, do you got, what, uh, what things do you have upcoming? Ooh, what do I have upcoming? Um, I guess in my personal life, I am going on a bachelorette trip Ooh. in like two weeks. Where are you going? Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota for a bachelorette. Yeah. Cause that's where all of her family's from. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go and have a good time there. We like rented a cabin and then, uh, I'm going to DC at the end of the month, which will, we're going to my boyfriend's uncle's house and like, it is apparently the neighborhood from like the Halloween movies. Like all the kids Ooh. are running around screaming, like having a great cool. time. There's going to be a, it's pirate themed this year. So we're all dressing oh, up as yes. pirates. And there is a rumor that there's going to be an actual cannon that is going to be in the front yard that we'll be Sweet. firing off. So I'm excited for that. What about you? Uh, well, uh, next weekend is Stowmill, yep. which is a fun local event. So I think I'm going to head up there. 
I haven't decided if I'm going to ride or just hang out with people. I might do the just try the 50. Uh, it's like an old school style where you send in a postcard. So they don't really have like a set registration type deal. But yeah. um, so head up. They, um, they're they good friends of ours. So uh, check out Stomil, S-T-O-M-I-L. If you're looking for like ultra grassroots Nebraska event in the fall. And a lot of climbing. There a is brutal so climbing. climbing. It's so like... We always talk about how the farther north you go at Gravel Worlds, the hillier it is. Like their southernmost part is the n- yeah. farther north than the northernmost part of Gravel Worlds. So it's yeah. it is a very hilly, brutal course. So uh, doing that, I think at the end of the month, I'm gonna try to go to Truffle Shuffle down in Stillwater. Ooh, fun! So I, Annie, Annie, and I are talking about going and camping and hanging out with Claire and the the Stillwater crew. So we might do that. <gasps> jealous and then i am hopefully soon we're gonna have him on the podcast i i'm really excited i was asked to help with a grand fondo uh fundraiser race in maui uh to raise money for the kids of maui who desperately need help right now with all the wildfires so um we're gonna spend a couple weeks in maui again um and on top of that i am going to be doing a climb challenge up haleaka which is the longest climb uh paved climb in the world um, and we're going to raise some good money on top of that. So my goal is to raise $5,000. So we'll be announcing more of that soon. Uh, Haleakala Climb for Good. I don't know if that'll show up on Google if you glue th- uh, Google that, but that's the name of the challenge I'm trying to do. So. Well, and congrats to you for being asked to go and do that fundraiser because you have a huge heart for Hawaii um, and Maui in general, and so I think this is a perfect fit for you, and they couldn't yeah. have asked anyone better. Oh, it's a it's a huge, huge, huge honor. And then actually, one of the guys that um, podiumed at Gravel Worlds uh, he was how I kind Connor is who I I, I kind of got connected with this group, so he's going to be there hopefully too. Um, but yeah, t- keep an eye on that. It's uh, the if you are looking for a winter race or something to do um it is pedal uh, amua i-m-u-a so check that out uh pedal amua or discover amua is their website so check it out um as much money as we can to raise money for the kids of maui well we're gonna do so check that out and so that pretty much gets me to the end of the year and we'll see so heck yeah um well some other things you're actually are we ready to announce this publicly? <gasps> yeah, I guess. All right. I mean, I feel like so many people know already. Got to just rip the bandaid rip, off. Le- this is the the biggest bandaid you ripped off so far. So Oof. I'll let I'll let you say it. Well, as of December first, I am going to be a Nashville resident. Boo! <laughs> Boo! I think a lot of people saw this one coming. Yeah, <sighs> screw you, Brian. <laughs> And all my friends there. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we're really happy for uh, Sophia. She's uh, following following her heart <sighs> to Nashville. Um, so, but with that, uh, she's looking for a job. So if you if you're in the cycling or fitness world, especially in Nashville, if you're looking for jobs or remote jobs, if yeah. you could reach out, if you're looking for an awesome person to hire, I will give the best recommendation of all time. Yeah. Um, so please hire Sophia. Yes, I have a ton of experience in marketing. Um, I've 
basically managed and run um, a pedal pub, a full entertainment company for the last few years. I have experience in social media, a lot of customer service experience, like customer success, community manager, anything. Like, please let me know if you have any leads or any connections because I have such a big passion for the sport of cycling and I really want to use my nine to five by doing something in that community. So please hire Sophia as much as I, or wait, no, don't. So then she moves back, comes back as a failure. No, I'm just kidding. That's brutal. Wow. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. That's the brotherly love right there. But, but with, you know, I am very excited for this move. It's it's been a long time coming. um, But, the podcast is still going to live on. Do not worry. The internet exists, so there we is. can still interview. And actually, like, the amount of guests we've had that are remote are, like, 95%. Right. So, right. yeah, don't worry about it. Podcast is still good. And also, Sophia will be back for Gravel World. She's yep. still on the team. Nothing's changing, so she's still a huge part. She's still going to be our outreach coordinator helping us give money away. So, yeah. um, And speaking of giving money away... Woo! We Randy's have ride. Big news. Randy's ride this year. Our biggest Randy's ride yet. Um, thank huge shout out to all the virtual people this year. Oh my gosh, like, there were so many. There, I think there was like 10, uh, 10 or so, uh, ten to fifteen virtual riders that signed up and donated some good money. Uh, so massive shout out to there. But Randy's ride this year. Um, so Gravel Worlds matched one hundred percent of the donations, and we raised thirty three hundred dollars total, and that wow. was split between the Randy Gibson Memorial Fund. Uh, Adventure for All and NICA. So uh, a lot of great money going to some great causes. So thank you so much to everybody that donated generously. And also, if you've supported Gravel Worlds, that allows us to donate more money. And with that $3,300 that we raised for Randy's Ride this year, Gravel Worlds has now raised $22,630 this year, just uh, this year alone. And it brings up our uh, total that Gravel Worlds has raised since 2015, which is when we started charging money. It was free until then. Uh, But up into there, from 2015, uh, $126,355.69. Absolutely insane. That is what Gravel Worlds is all about. So That's that's where your money is going towards when you're competing in Gravel Worlds. $126,000 we've raised through Gravel Worlds. Yeah. 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 So you're riding for good at that point. That's that's what the Pirates are all about. That's, I mean... Uh, my goal is to raise that much money in a year. Let's do it. Like that's my goal is let's, let's see if we can raise a hundred grand. Um, so huge shout out to everybody that did Randy ride and Randy's ride or have s- done the winter endurance or the gravel camp or uh, gravel worlds. What, however you've supported us, we, we love giving that money away. So thank you all so much for that support. But I think be- without further ado, we should probably just jump in to this week's podcast. Let's do it. All right. All right, what's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And we have another awesome episode here. A new guest and kind of like a new friend to our Gravel family. So we're really excited. This is kind of like a... We don't do this often where we don't know a whole lot about the guests, but we're kind of like becoming friends get to know each other and it was kind of cool because she came in and rocked our um long voyage this year and i i didn't really know i know i had heard about you but i had never like you know met her in person so it's kind of exciting to now get to know her on a different level that's that is correct so without further ado we have our 2023 long voyage 300 champion Mm -hmm. she's also got fifth at unbound xl the 350 last year 
Uh, so she is no stranger to riding her bike for a very long time. So welcome to the podcast, Tina Hart. Thanks. So excited to be here. We were just talking off camera a little bit and you mentioned you had a mechanical where you were stuck on the side of the road and you were like, I have to get back to the podcast. <laughs> so what happened for your mechanical? Yeah, my partner and I, it's... um. It's uh, leaf peeping season here in Boulder, Colorado, and so we just did a big ride up in the mountains, and uh, somehow on my way down, I wrapped my chain around my crank three times, um, which was a what? new and fun experience. Yeah, so um, oh it took a minute. New personal record. On yeah. That. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're okay from that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, You are not joking, though. The Aspens are firing right now up in the mountains. Oh, like, yeah. I have a bunch of friends out in Colorado that and uh, Utah that have been sending me snaps like every day trying to make me jealous, and it has successfully worked. So I just drove through um, Colorado and Utah to go to Moab for the week, and we left last Monday, and the Aspens Aspens were just starting to change. Like they were mm -hmm. a little yellow. And then we drove back yesterday and it was like they had just exploded with color. And it was the coolest thing to see. Like, what, a six day difference? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really it's awesome. gorgeous. I love it. It's so pretty. It's it's fantastic. How long have you lived up in Boulder? Uh, we moved up here at the end of 2019, which was a little tricky for the timing going into 2020 and COVID. But um, yes, yeah, about four years now. That's awesome. What's your what's your favorite uh, like route to do? Because I know there's some like pretty infamous climbs out of Boulder and stuff. But do you, are you a, a go for the climb or do you head for the flats out, oh, out east? Climbing, I love that I can get out my front door and head up to nine or ten or eleven thousand feet. Just just go straight up. Um, I think that's fantastic. And um, being able to get up to Ward or go up Sunshine Canyon, it just all of it is just fantastic. And I like that the flats are an option. Like the, on days that I don't want to climb, I can take the flats. But really, I think the climbing here is pretty unparalleled. Um, you know, and the dirt gravel options and the road options are pretty, pretty wonderful. What do you like more riding out there? Do you like road or do you like gravel? You know, gravel. Um, I came out here with one bike, one road bike, and uh, that has expanded since I've lived here. And uh, really, I just I was dragging my poor road bike on all these gravel dirt roads, on all these rocky Jeep tracks. And finally, I thought I really just I really need to get a proper gravel bike. I'm just <laughs> destroying my road bike. So, so I really funny. like the gravel. I love it. I back in I think it was January. There was like a nice weekend where it was like fairly nice out, and I went out to Boulder and rode. So now I got a new Boulder riding buddy that I can nice. Yeah, there's so many cyclists in Boulder, like and so many like well known cyclists yes. too. I went on a ride with uh, Ben Delaney. Yep, and like on the ride there was like seven pros that we saw in the oh, wiener, yeah. we saw the wiener alexi and yes sir willie yes. oh, yeah and i was best. like when, when i saw that i was like oh i'm definitely telling <laughs> sophia because she's gonna be so jealous i <laughs> am sir willie's biggest fan and i haven't even met him so oh sir he's willie, great out there i can't wait to meet you and tell you we need to invite that. That would be the strangest podcast. <laughs> just hear the hear the sniffs. Like that's such a great idea. You just you just created something right there. Well, getting back into it, what's been your history with endurance racing and riding, coming from those early days of just riding your road bike? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I know so many folks 
get into cycling. They cycled when they were young. Um, but I came into cycling as a commuter, actually. Um, I commuted. I was a multi-sport athlete, which feels like a strong word. But um, I really, you know, in college, I got into outdoor sports and, uh, you know, kayaking and climbing, mountaineering, running and cycling. And so kind of did a little bit of all of it. And I always liked the long distance stuff, mostly because I'm not, I feel like I have no fast twitch muscles. Like I'm just, <laughs> I like, I just, I can outlast folks sometimes, but I, you know, I'm not really a sprinter. I'm not super fast, but I really, I really enjoy being out for a lot of time, um, find it fun. And so, you know, ever since college, it, back in college, I remember I didn't, I learned what a century was. Um, I was like scrolling the internet one summer and I went out and tried to ride my first century the next day on like my whatever <laughs> target bike. I had no mechanical knowledge, no knowledge of anything. I got about 30 miles and got a flat and had to like hitch a ride back. Um, but, but I just, I've always loved the idea of like big adventure um, and being outside for long amounts of time. And so um, really when the, uh, when the pandemic hit, I really shifted into mostly just doing cycling and um, I'd always wanted to Everest. So I, I, which is when you bike up and down the same hill uh, to the height of Everest, which is 29,000 feet and change. So I got into doing that, got into long rides. I've always liked long rides and eventually figured out that um, there were races that I could do that were long distance. So moved into that. That's really cool. So what were your, so on the climbing side, if you were, if you're a slow titch, so were you like a long top rope kind of climber? I assume you're not like a strong boulder. You know, it's climber. funny, actually, I, I got into climbing as a, as a outdoor climber, um, on top rope and then leading. Uh, and then eventually it took me a long time, but I had some friends that bouldered and eventually I did get into bouldering and I actually really like to boulder now. Um, I come from, I have a gymnastics background as a kid and that, uh, that kind of background has been helpful for bouldering. So it's been good. Very cool. Well, when we're in town and when you're next in town, we'll go bouldering. There's a gym, a couple of good gyms here in Lincoln. Awesome. Actually, so awesome. Very cool. So was Unbound XL in 2022, was that your first experience at a, a large event? Yeah, I had done, a, you know, some racing before that, but that was my first ultra distance sort of big event and Unbound, Unbound in particular. I mean, yeah, that was one of the biggest events I had been to um, for sure. So walk through your Unbound XL last year. You got fifth overall. Um, so like, which that race is 350 miles. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the long voyage here in Lincoln is 300. So they, they got an extra 50 on us. Uh, so what was your, what was that experience like? This was 2022, not the yes. infamous 2023 <laughs> ultra mud year. There was still mud. It rained a lot in 2022, just not the day of the race so what yeah. was your 2022 uh unbound xl experience i had so much fun i really so the longest race i'd done at that point was a 200 miler so i wasn't really sure what would happen after 200 miles and i had ridden late into the night but i'd never ridden all the way i don't i'd ridden through the night only once before and not at a race um and so i went in just trying to sort of see what i could do um and I really wanted to just ride a race that I was proud of and that I could have fun with. And so I started out with a teammate um, and she started up the road for me. I eventually caught her and she wasn't feeling well. Um, and so I last saw her at like mile 60 and went into the night first solo and then um, found a riding buddy. Um, 
met and found Betsy Welsh there. And she and I actually rode a bunch of the night together. We did not know each other. Um, and we just found ourselves sort of pacing together. We weren't really drafting each other. We just rode side by side, had our lights together. And it was so fun to ride the night with someone. And we met up with some some other folks as the sun rose. We all sort of 200 miles in, the sun rose. And everyone, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is so wonderful. <laughs> and then about an hour later, everything clouded over and the rain started. Uh, but, you know, I just I had so much fun at that event. And we hit some mud, you know, mile 300 for us um, was the peanut butter mud. And that was a that was a slog. It was a little bit of a gut punch 300 miles in. Um, but, you know, I just I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the people. It was a it was such a blast. Um, I was like, I got to do this again. I got to see if this was just a fluke or if this was uh, if, this, if this is really if I really enjoy this. So did you do any other long distance events um, between Unbound XL and this year's long voyage? Or was it mostly just putting in training hours? Mostly training hours. I had wanted to do Iowa Wind and Rock, which is a um, self-supported cue card based uh, gravel race out in Iowa. Um, but I ended up um, that didn't end up working out. That was going to be in April. And so um, so that was the other one that was on my list. Uh, so mostly just a lot of long days, a lot of long solo days, occasionally with friends or teammates. Um, but yeah, this was this was the only other sort of big event that worked out this year. Well, if you want a huge goal for 2024, there's only been one person that has finished Iowa Wind and Rock, Unbound XL, and the Long Voyage 300 ever. So oh. if you want a ridiculous 2024 <laughs> goal, there you go. It's, I like it. comes it. out to like 60,000 feet of elevation, yeah. something like that. And what would that be? Almost 1,000 miles, 950 miles or something. So <laughs> yeah, pretty epic. It's only happened one time, uh, and it was a pretty gnarly challenge to just even finish, let alone like finish well each time. Yeah. So, um, a lot of luck as well in that, especially with the XL being on all the Flint rock down there. So, yes. So do you think you're going to do, uh, are you going to try to do wind and rock next year? I might. Yeah. I got to look at some timing. Um, I work for a, uh, small cycling company called base camp and we do a, um, uh, a road camp out in Mallorca in Spain in April as well. So I gotta see if the, if I can make the timing work, I'm going to try to do both, but we'll see. I mean, Spain though, Spain yeah. sounds, yeah. sounds pretty. So, I mean, I grew up in <laughs> Iowa and I, I can say that Spain's probably a better option in April than, <laughs> than Iowa. So <laughs> Yes. I can feel like I can say that without getting too much shade, but <laughs> that seems fair. When you were mentioning, you know, doing the Iowa Wind and Rock and then Unbound and then the 300 Long Voyage Chasing, I was thinking that is such a mental challenge on top of the physical, like to get done with Iowa Wind and Rock and then know that you have to do 350 miles in a matter of a month. And then, you know, month and a half, two months later, you're doing 300 again. That is, yeah. at, it's, you know, there were so many people who last year talked about our double-double with Mid-South. And they were like, the hardest part was the mental, was knowing that you had to do this again. Um, so that that would be a challenge. I'd love to see some more people complete that. In yeah. your in your experience on these ultra stuff, what's what do you find the balance between the mental and physical? Because a lot of people think when especially non cyclists or non ultra athletes, they think like, oh, that's just physical. But there is so much mental capacity that you have to have to do that. Because oh yeah, from about mile 
a hundred, we'll say, on your body is saying and your brain is saying, stop. Like this hurts. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. But you have to mentally keep going. So like what do you find that balance of mental versus physical on these ultra distance events? Yeah, you know, and on the flip side, I hear sometimes people say, Oh, it's it's all mental. And I don't think that's true either. You know, it's it's very real. If you've got pain or sickness, it's a very real thing. And it does take a an amount of mental focus to work through those things, but sometimes sometimes you also have to know when to stop. But I think for me, it, it is a huge balance. Honestly, this year. At about mile 15, my brain was like, I, this is stupid. I, why am I doing this race? It was so hot. Uh, I'd gotten dropped. Yeah, literally mile 15. Oh, no. um, I'd gotten dropped off the groove. I was like plodding along, uh, just pouring sweat. I was like, what is happening? Um, do I really want to ride 300 miles, you know, in this heat? Is this is this what I want to be doing right now? And so I think for me, it's really important to understand like your why, why are you doing this? And it goes back to the mental piece. Cause I think if you know what, why it's important to you and there's not a right answer, it's different for everyone. But if you know why you're out there, then you can keep coming back to that and saying, okay, I want to be out here for this reason. And so I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep working for that. Um, and I think that, that mental fortitude to be able to kind of keep returning to that is really important. Um, if you know why you want to be doing it, that helps to keep you going. And I think that that's huge because you know for sure, I mean, if there's anything that's guaranteed, it's that at some point things are going to go poorly for you. And you have to know that like you can come back out of that and still keep going um, and know it's going to happen and expect it and be able to keep pedaling through it. So what is your why in those dark moments? What makes you want to continue? Yeah, um, I think this year for me, you know, it was a, it was twofold. One, part of the reason I got into long distance riding, even before I did events, even when I was doing solo things or Everesting, um, it was originally because I saw the number of women riders was really low um, compared to the number of male riders that I would see out there. And I thought, hey, like, you know, and there are very real limitations, um, I think, out there, but also the perceived notion of just this is too hard or it's too far, it's scary, and not having role models. Like, I think for me, it's really important to see that there are other folks out there doing it and be like, oh, if that person can do it, I can do it. Um, and so for me, I think I started because I was like, oh, I want to really see more representation out there. Um, and that can look a lot of different ways. And I'm a one very small piece of that. But that's important to me. And I think also it's a really personal thing of just, can I do this? Can I complete this? Am, am I mentally tough enough to do this? And so I think actually what happened to me at mile 15 was I, you know, I, I went out there to try to be on the podium. I wanted that. Um, but, you know, you can't control, you can't control anyone else's race. You can only control your own race. Um, you know, so other folks can be having the best race of their lives or not. It doesn't really matter. You can't control that. And um, so I had this moment where I felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm dropped off the group. I've got all these folks in front of me. I'm, you know, and I know it was only mile 15, but I was, I was very warm. I don't think I was, I was thinking very straight. <laughs> um, I was just had this just like deep sense of just like, well, this is just not going to work. And I was like, that's silly. Like I'm out here also to see what I can do the best race I can have. And if the best race I can have takes me 30 hours and I come in dead last, then like, great. I'm out here to see what I can do. And if that's where I land, that's where I land. And so it was just sort of a re check for me of like, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to do the best I can. And that'll just be whatever it is. And to try to push through anything that happens on the way. I, I literally just got goosebumps <laughs> from that. Um, because, because I don't think 
that mentality and what you just said is kind of the definition of gravel, right? Like you won a long voyage. That's why we're talking to you. But there's so (laughs) many people that listen to this podcast who will never maybe want to win a race or never can win a race like myself. I'll never be at the front. But I we all have to have that same mentality. Like we all have a mile 15 at an event where we're like, you know, going back home and having a beer would be way easier, but that's not the story that is gravel. So I really appreciate you saying that because I think a lot of times like the masses see the fast people and they're like, Oh, it's easy for them. And it's like, no, like mile 15 of 300 miles, like you weren't even 5% done, you know, or you were just 5%. So like that, that's really powerful. And I'm glad you said that and are willing to like admit that. Cause that's, that's really, really powerful that you, that you did that or said that. So good for you that <laughs> it's always cool too to know that, that you like, it wasn't easy. Some, I mean, some races are easier than yeah. others. Right. And you still did that. So good on you. That was really cool. With, with so many hard challenges you've had, do you think that experience was your hardest or have you had another experience that sticks out to you? Um, just in racing and or events in general yeah. or at, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, actually, uh, honestly, one of the hardest races I ever had was a much shorter race. Uh, I did, um, Belgian waffle Utah a few years ago and, uh, it was super hot. I was probably undertrained. I was probably underfueled, underhydrated, all the things. I fell off my bike. I like sliced open my knee. And that race actually stands out much shorter, much shorter in mileage. Um, and it stands out as being just one of the toughest days to work through. I remember like basically getting to the finish and crying. I was so happy to be there. <laughs> so happy to cross the finish line. Really like, you know, out like well off the pace I wanted, all the things, but just to finish. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's not always, I think, the distance that makes something challenging. Let's uh let's go back a little bit. We got to talk about your the actual race for Long Voyage. So <laughs> we got to we've gotten to mile fifteen. <laughs> so yes. from mile fifteen to three hundred, uh, what was what was your race like uh, in in Nebraska and Iowa? Because we yeah. went over to Iowa for the the Long Voyage this year. Gosh, it was such a mix. Um, I, you know, I had some really huge highs and really low lows. You know, I um getting to the mile fifty gas station was a big high point. Getting in that air conditioning was amazing. Um, <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh, I rode a lot of the race alone, but not all of it. But any mean means um, shared some miles with some really wonderful folks somewhere a little before midnight. Um, I rolled up on uh, a guy, Matthew, from Madison, South Dakota. And I lived a year in South Dakota. And we were both just kind of riding solo and you know just kind of plodding and you know waiting to get to the next next stop and um I think both of us you know I had a little more energy and and he um he had a little more speed and so we traded pulls and we both got eating again we had both sort of fallen off eating um a lot of folks out there I think the heat saw a lot of folks feeling pretty pretty ill um stopped on the side or dry heaving or just, you know, folks really feeling bad from the heat about between mile about 50 and 100. And uh, so like seeing him was a huge boost of the spirits. I rode with some of the other ladies for a bit. They're super strong. They were all really wonderful. We had some great camaraderie out there. Um, Yeah. yeah. At one point you were riding with Christy Tracy and was it Claire? Claire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Claire Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I saw, I remember, I think that was like, 
about when I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like trying to catch where it where was at. And I, yeah. I think your dot was on top. And I was like, oh, where did uh, where did Claire and mm. Christy go? And then I like zoomed in. I like, kept zooming in and like, oh, they're riding together. Awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, it's funny because we would we would spend some time together, and then I think we each of us had a little bit of a different pace, and so we would leapfrog a bit or um, or trade off. Or at some points, I think each of us couldn't or didn't want to, you know, when you're you're really tired and you just need to do your own pace, and that pace is very similar to someone else's, but you can't sit on their wheel. You're too tired. You're just like, I want to do my own, just do my own rhythm. So we had some of that sometimes too. So we kind of rode near each other or with each other here and there. Um, but it's nice to know there was company around. Um, several of us had uh, some close farm dog encounters, and it was nice to know that there was like someone wow. up the road or someone just behind, like. It's just nice to know there are other people out there, even if they were, you know, just out of sight or whatnot. So then um, through the night and in the morning, who were you riding with or were you by yourself? Yeah, you know, um, after the uh, wonderful stop at Jason's parents' house, uh, <laughs> that was amazing. It was a fantastic stop to have. Um I I took off and was riding with a couple folks briefly after that and then ended up soloing and uh, was on my own for several hours in the in the wee hours of the night. Um, I want to say maybe like 1.30 or 2 to 5, but honestly, I'm not sure. It was some <laughs> stretch of time in, the, in those small hours. Um, and that was solo and that was kind of cool. It was very dark. And we could see, um, I say we, I, I was riding solo, but and talking to folks after, all of us could see the lightning and the storms that were happening. There were big thunderstorms happening over at Lincoln and around at the time. They never really hit uh, the group sort of where I was in the pack. We didn't even get rain. Um, I know some of the folks at the very front of the 300 got a little rain, um, but I, we were watching the lightning for a lot of the night. We could see the lightning out in the sky, and I remember thinking, oh, no, like, is this going <laughs> to, <laughs> like, I mean, where are we going to, Good yeah. for the long voyage, bad for the 150, but that storm oh. we were watching, like, parked on Lincoln. Like, we were, there was, like, a 10% or 20% chance of rain, and that yeah. storm blew up and just stuck on Lincoln. So, the 150 was horrible, and eventually you guys got a little mud, maybe? Yes. Uh, like, at the, when you kind of joined back up with the mm -hmm. 150 course. Um, but yeah, that was that, that I've heard multiple of the three hundreds that were like, it was really cool. <laughs> like it was scary. Cause we thought yeah. it was coming our way. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. but really cool to watch. Yeah. I was not excited. I was like, okay, the storm comes, where am I going to go? And I was like, I have no idea where I'm going to go. I guess I'm just going to see where I am and like cross my fingers that there's a <laughs> shelter or something. Uh, I was really happy. Didn't have to do were that. You, uh, were you already in back in Nebraska when you when sunrise hit, or was it about about that time? About that time, so somewhere in there, um, I met up with a woman who was then in the lead, and she did not end up finishing, but she rode really, really strong for the first half of the race, and she had some. Um, everyone had their own. Each each of us had sort of things go wrong, and she had a couple of things go wrong, including I think a leak in her camelback and some other stuff. But um, oh, yeah. I saw her right around sunrise, and I actually we rode into back in Nebraska, just before sunrise, because I tried to take a picture of the welcome to Nebraska sign. And it is a blur of nothing. I looked at the photo and was like, what is this? Um, we, we rode for a little bit together back into Nebraska as the sun was coming up. So that was really nice. Um, but it was a muted sunrise because the clouds are already rolling, kind of still rolling in there. So 
So then when you knew you had the lead again, um, when you, and you get back into Nebraska, you have less than a hundred miles left. What were you like having people text you, like how you were doing, or did you have any idea what the splits were? Or were you just like, I'm going to do my best. Don't tell me how I'm doing and we're going to go. Somewhere in between. So I mute everything on my phone. Um, the only person I was, uh, I was occasionally sending a photo here and there to my partner, Paul, um, and I was like, I'm, I'm alive um, every now and again. Uh, and, and I sort of left it to him, you know, like I told my mom, I was like, you can check in with Paul and, you know, if, you know, he'll know if something's gone wrong, you know, but so I just mute everything on my phone. But I did, I did know at that point then that I was at the lead and I thought this is a long lead to hold. And I also knew that no one was particularly um, far behind me. It wasn't like I had, you know, hours to spare. And so every now and again, I would pull up track. Uh, track leaders and just take a peek. Um, so I knew, I forget at what point it was, but like I knew Christy was, you know, I, a handful of um, miles um, and minutes back. And I remember thinking that's one flat tire. That's one stay too long at the gas station. And I knew she would know too. I was like, she's a, a very experienced racer. She knows that if I get tired and I have a mechanical and I was like, if, I know she had um, had, a, she was dealing with headaches and she had her own things going on, but I was like, if she can ride, she's going to either catch me or she's going to pace with me. And if something goes wrong, you know, she's going to catch me. So I definitely felt her kind of behind me for and sure. And that's where all the mental stuff comes in. Yeah. So what was your actual finishing time for the long voyage? Do you remember? That's a good, it was 20, 22, just under 22 and a half hours. I think somewhere right around 22 and a half. Okay. Very impressive. That's yeah. wild. That's yeah. so fast. <laughs> so fast. <laughs> oh, good for you. So, um, what what was your favorite part of the whole the whole long voyage experience besides winning? Well, we'll <laughs> cut, cut that out so you don't sound so you don't sound egotistical. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think it's the sharing the sort of experience with these other people that are out there that is the same and yet different and sort of knowing that everyone's going through that um that sort of camaraderie of doing an event together and yet separate is something that I think very is very cool and is different from just going out and riding 300 miles on your own um and sort of being able to finish and chat with folks about that so kind of on the big picture that that's a highlight overall and then you know maybe on this the smaller more minute piece of it I think um, riding through the night, honestly, I know for a lot of folks, it's the sunrise, but there's something I think that's really unusual and special about being out on your bike at three in the morning and it's really dark and you're by yourself and you're just kind of, it's this very, um, the world gets very small. It's reduced to what you can see in front of your lights, you know, your headlamp or your, your handlebar light. And that's your world. Um, and all you're doing is riding. And I think that's, I really like that experience. That's funny you say that. Cause, uh, Actually, tomorrow morning, I'm, I have to drop my sister off at the Omaha airport, so I'm going to go to my parents' house and bike, and it's going to be like four in the morning. <laughs> my mom's like, you want to bike in the dark? I was like, yeah, there's something about it that's like, it's kind of cool, it's relaxing. And she's so like, peaceful. isn't it dangerous? I'm like, it's probably easier to see me at night than yes. during the day. Yes. So, uh, But yeah, that's funny. Yeah, there is something really cool and peaceful, and it's, I always, I always say that hills don't count at night because you can't see them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have no idea. You're just sort of like, oh, I guess I'm going up now. You can't see this wall in front of you looming. You're just like, oh, all right. It's a little harder. Here we are. Got it. Yeah. Now. Okay. So what was your gear setup and nutrition plan for the race? 
Yeah. Um, I, having done, a, you know, bits and pieces of long distance events or solo rides, um, I really thought for quite a bit of time about the nutrition piece and the heat was a big, I'm not a heat person. So the, the start the I think that feels like was like 105 at the start, which is just, it's like a nightmare for me. Uh, I know it was, know, it was very, oh, it was terrible. Uh, so I was pretty nervous about that. And so my, um, I brought with me, uh, I actually, actually I use, I use scratch, um, high carb drink mix and that's what fueled me for the first, um, two bottles of that for the sort of first chunk of time and, and some electrolytes in my Camelback, which is not usually the way I usually like to eat. I'm not really just a liquid person, but I was worried about my stomach and the heat and like trying to eat. Um, and then after that, I bring with me some of my favorite things that are usually pretty high carb, high calorie stuff that I'm not going to buy at a gas station or not find, um, uh, like special gels or chews or bars. And then I, everything else comes from the gas station. So, you know, coming up to that first stop, I spent the, you know, three miles before thinking, what do I want? What do I want? I was like, I want cranberry juice. I want like ice. I want cold things, you know? Um, and I think if nothing else too, I've learned, you know, I've too many times I've walked in and thought, okay, what I should get is this. Um, and I've ignored the little voice. It's like, but what I want is cheese pizza at 3am. Um, they're like, no, that's, that's not, you know, and then what I've learned is if that little voice is saying, you want cheese pizza at 3am and like cheese pizza is what you should get. Cause it's what you'll eat. And it's an eating competition at some point. Like it stops, you know, it's, it's getting calories and food in and nutrition in. And, you know, that's, that's the key. So I get things like Oreos and Nutri-Grain bars and um, iced tea. Who did we have on the podcast? Like all cycling is, is an eating competition. Yeah. There was definitely someone who who said said that. that. I also like that because it's also just a little bit of a treat. Like it's a little bit of joy. Like you've been suffering out there. You know, if Oreo is going to bring you some joy, go for it. Totally. That's exactly. I bought my Oreos and I was like, oh, I ate four of them. I just like in a row, I like I left the gas station. I was like, I'm just gonna eat my Oreos. This is great. This is a great day. That's amazing. I love yeah. it. And then um, yeah, I had a, a one by setup too on my on my bike, and that was um real nice. Did you have any flats or mechanical issues? No, I was so happy. And I like the closer I got to the finish, the more I got worried. I was like, oh no, I'm gonna take it out like mile 320 or 340 on the side of the road of the flat or something, but um and some of the mud, but no. I'd not a single that mechanical. Is, that is one thing that's really good about gravel worlds is our gravel is really uh, friendly. Like yes. if we hear about people getting flats, it's like odd for us. Like I don't, yes. I know it happens and like one or two people get, or a few, maybe 10 out of the thousands get flats, but it's nothing like unbound where it's, no. you could have 10 flats. I don't remember the last time I've heard anybody say they had multiple flats at Gravel World. No. Ever. No. So, yeah, we have good gravel. Good gravel. Yes. It was great. Yeah. Your gravel. And even the mud we hit. And I knew, you know, I knew coming back into Lincoln with the storms, I thought, oh, no, I know there aren't many MMR, minimum maintenance roads, but I knew there were some. And I was like, oh, shoot. But I knew, as y'all had said, um, I think there were only six or seven miles total in the whole 300 of MMR roads. And I thought, okay, like at worst, I'm going to walk my bike six miles and that'll be it and they'll be in yeah. like little sections and that'll be fine like i could i can mentally i can manage that and i didn't I have to i intentionally so. took all the dirt roads out in iowa because i was like that's the <laughs> farthest away for people to get help so i was like i'm not i'm gonna do it as easy as possible not easy it's hard it's like tons of elevation yeah. but i don't want 
to intentionally make it harder when you're all the way out there. So that, that was awesome great. That you didn't get any flats. So that was appreciated. <laughs> Another huge part of any race um, or event is the support. Um, and you ride for the Ride or Die Collective. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about RDC. Yeah, it's a group here, um, Boulder, Denver. It's uh, a women's um, a women's team, and we have a collective and a race team. Um, it's a group of gosh, there's uh, maybe almost a hundred. Um, it's Whoa. a women's trans uh, femme non-binary group, and uh, we do all sorts of things. We have some folks that really race and love to race, and we go out together to races and support each other. We have folks that love to ride. We have folks that are brand new. We have folks that are racing at a pretty high level. Um, so it's just a mix. It's trying to get more um, women on bikes and supporting them and doing that and uh, creating space for that um, in the community. That's incredible. Um, so what have been some of your best memories from Ride or Die? For sure. We do uh, a lot of really fun rides. Um, we recently did a KOM ride where we brought a bunch of women together from the community and went out and hit some of Boulder's uh, gravel um, climbs. Nothing, none of the really, really long ones, enough to make it kind of a fun day for a mix of folks, different experiences. But it was great. It was like a segment race. So, you know, you hit it as hard as you can up the dirt climbs and then you all chat together, coast, you know, coast down together, ride together get to know people um, and then hit it again. And I, I really appreciate events like that because it means you get to go out and compete against one another and then also ride with and support one another. Um, and I think that balance is really nice being able to, you know, say to someone, I'm going to, you know, go as hard as I can and we're going to race really hard. And then as soon as that part's over, we're going to hang together and it doesn't matter what happens. Like we're going to hang out and it's going to be great. That's incredible. So it's, it's very much like a club kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. And we do, we, um, this coming year, we're going to have a, a little more of a formal race team supported race team. Um, we've had sort of a, a, a newer race team <laughs> the past couple of years, we've kind of been building into it. And so that'll be a little more formal next year. Um, but RDC is also a nonprofit as well, mm -hmm, right? Like you're, mm -hmm. you're like, it's not like a bunch of people, like you guys do a lot of really good things as well. So yeah, it's been Did a big push. You guys were had a booth at Unbound last year, right? Correct. Yes. Did we meet you? I think we. That's why you that's, look familiar. That's were you entirely out in the possible. Booth? I was for a little bit. Met, um, I do. Her. I do remember meeting a few people from RDC at Unbound. I think we had we a big met. crew. <laughs> yes. I, I think we like chatted with you at your booth because I was like, we want you here. Um, and then like for Gravel Worlds, if you're a nonprofit, you you can come to our expo for free. Uh, so shout out to anybody that has a, non a cycling or running related nonprofit, shoot us a message. We want you at our expo, free, free expo, and you get two free entries too, if you're a nonprofit. So, but I think I, that I was like, like bugging my brain. I was like, I swear you look familiar <laughs> and all that. I bet, I think we met at Unbound last year. I would what, not be surprised. Group. That's, That's hilarious. So funny. That's hilarious. Um, also, um, we love to give shout outs to like people that do awesome things. So, um, after you won, you actually went onto our website and bought a scholarship <laughs> um, for 2024 to a non-binary athlete. Um, to our knowledge, you are the first uh, former champion that has ever bought a scholarship for someone else. So massive shout out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pure class there. So um, and we actually matched that for you as well. So because th that's just a pure class move that there. So we always. Uh, that though I know you didn't want that to be seen, but that needs to get a shout out because that's that's a huge class move. So good on you for that. So um, yeah. yeah, thank you for doing that. 
Yeah, thanks for making it an option. I think it's really great. And I um part of it too is I feel like y'all work really hard to make this inclusive, friendly event. And I wanna get more people out there to that. Not that, you know, a lot of events out there are like that, but I feel like you put in an extra effort to really make it feel like everyone is welcome and Sometimes I think uh, it doesn't always feel that way. Not that anyone's overtly trying to, you know, turn folks away, but it's really nice to have it seen where it's like, oh, we are really trying. We're making extra effort to make it inclusive, and that's awesome. Oh, that that means more than you know, because we do we do try really hard. We we try we try really hard <laughs> for sure. But thank you. That means that means more than you know. So those are very kind words. So so how would someone um, get involved with Ride or Die? Yeah, you know, um, we uh, we have an application process up on our website, and folks can come and uh, apply. Um, women, trans, femme, non-binary, all welcome, um, and can come be a part of it. We also do we host a bunch of different rides in the Boulder, Denver area that um, anyone can come to, and we also are starting a new program where at different races uh, we're having something called the service course, where people can come. I'm uh, sorry, women, trans, femme, non-binary riders can come uh, specifically. And get some help, you know, if you're getting ready for a race and maybe you aren't sure what tire pressure to run or you have a mechanical question or something's gone wrong and you need help, like trying to create a space for um, those riders to come. That's a safe space. So that's a brand new thing we just started um, at the RAD, uh, gosh, just this weekend. And so um, that's something that we're looking to carry into for 2024. That is so, so cool. Very cool. Um, then also another huge shout out. So we talked about your team. Do you have any other sponsors that you want to give a shout out to that have helped you out this year? You know, I'm mostly, um, I don't have any big sponsors. I do, uh, I do work a little bit with Shammy Butter. That was a huge, uh, they're a huge win for me for ultra um, racing yes. in particular, all racing, but um, I love them. They have a, a small family owned company and they do really, really great work. Um, and so that they're the other folks that I would really, um, that are, you know, pretty special to me. Yeah. They are an incredible team. They've supported us for a long time as well. Yeah. So they, they, I love that their initiatives are generally helping uh, those that, that need, need the help, you know, yeah. not, not, not focusing on the people that already have $10,000 sponsorships, X, Y, Z, um, just helping out, you know, individuals that, that really need the help. So massive shout out to Kara and the whole yes. Shandy Butter family there. Yes. So. yes. She's the best. All of them. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tina, for being on here. Um, like I've said, it's it's good to get to know you as like a new new member to our Gravel family. And we're excited to have more ride or die members here next year as well um, and help expanding. Um, and also just from what I've gotten to know you, you're a pure class act. But before we go, Sophia always has one last question. Yes. So, Tina, what does the Gravel family mean to you? Yeah, I think for me, it's that knowledge that um, when you're out there, you've got folks that have your back. And so you know that if something goes wrong, you know, someone's going to roll up and they're going to help. You know, if you've got a mechanical or you're not well or something like that, that they've got your back and you can go out and push each other and challenge each other. But at the end of the day, you can come together and like celebrate over a, a drink or a coffee or, you know, have high fives and that those folks are going to be there for you. Um, even if you don't know each other, even if you haven't seen each other in five or 10 or 15 years, that you can come back together at a race or an event and um, just pick back up where you left off. I think that's, that's what it is for me. 
Good, good answer. Always a good answer. Never a bad one so far. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're just waiting for a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> so like, are you sure you want to? Do you want to record? <laughs> no, uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Tina. Best of luck uh, for the rest of this year, which is wrapping up, and then into next year. We'll see you back in Lincoln in August next year, and maybe we'll see you doing the the wind and rock XL and long voyage challenge Ooh, next the year. The trifecta. <laughs> love it. I love it. Looking forward to it. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. I'm Tina. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We'll see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 